Welcome, everyone. Welcome to Milwaukee Mennonite Church. Welcome to those who are present here today and to those who are joining us on Zoom. Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. The long-anticipated restoration is here and now. The same Holy Spirit that birthed Jesus is available to us. This is how a small baby can be good news for today's world. Today we have lit the center candle to represent this tiny baby, this God incarnate that God sent to us. Let's start off with our call to worship. It's on 870. If you turn in the back to 870. We gather in preparation. We gather in expectation. We gather in celebration. In preparation and expectation, let us celebrate. The story of Christmas, however, doesn't just start with the baby, but starts with the baby's parent, the great creator of the world. Psalm 148 reminds us of the magnitude of this creator. Hallelujah. Praise God from heaven and from the mountaintops. Praise our maker, all you angels. Praise our creator, sun and moon, and you morning stars. Praise God, high heavens. Praise God, heavenly rain clouds. Praise, oh, let them praise the name of God. The creator spoke the word, and there they were. God set them in place from all time to eternity. God gave his orders, and that's it. Praise God from earth, you sea dragons, you fathomless ocean deeps, fire and hail, snow and ice, hurricanes obeying the creator's orders. Mountains and all hills, apple orchards and cedar forests. Wild beasts and herds of cattle, snakes and birds in flight. Earth's kings and all races, leaders and important people, robust men and women in their prime, and yes, graybeards and little children. Let, Let them, them praise the name of God. God's radiance exceeds anything in earth and in sky. Praise from all who love God. Israel's children, intimate friends of the Creator. Hallelujah. Let's stand to sing our first song, Joy to the World, number 240. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her King. Let every heart prepare Him room. And the nature Oh, 
Please be seated and turn to number 211. This is a, our, one of our Advent songs. Uh, so singing it gets to remind ourselves of what we've been waiting for. And then the fifth verse, the reminder that Christ is here, the Christ light is present. little change in the service. Um, Liz has a flat tire, not able to make it today. She was the sermon giver. So we are going to worship together through more song and through more scripture. I'm going to ask, would there be a reader who would come and read um, eight verses of Luke reminding us of the birth of Jesus? Anyone want to volunteer to do that? Thanks. And then I'm going to ask for another reader about the shepherds. So um, I'll be asking for someone else. Which verses would you like me to read? Um, the first section of that is okay. okay. This is Luke 2, verse 1 through 7. At that time, Emperor Augustus ordered a census to be taken throughout the Roman Empire. When this first census took place, Quirinius was the governor of Syria. Everyone then went to register himself, each to his own hometown. Joseph went from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to the town of Bethlehem in Judea, the birthplace of King David. Joseph went there because he was a descendant of David. 
he went to register with Mary, who was promised in marriage, marriage to him. She was pregnant, and while they were in Bethlehem, the time came for her to have her baby. She gave birth to her first son, wrapped him in cloths, and laid him in a manger. There was no room for them to stay in the inn. There were some shepherds in that part of the country who were spending the, the night in the fields taking care of their flocks. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone, shone over them. They were terribly afraid. But the angel said to them, Don't be afraid. I am here with good news for you, which will bring great joy to all the people. This very day in David's town, your Savior was born, Christ the Lord. And this is what will prove it to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great army of heaven's angels appeared with the angel, singing praises to God. Glory to God in the highest heaven, and peace on earth to those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them back into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and saw the baby lying in the manger. When the shepherds saw him, they told him what the angel had said about the child. All who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said. Mary remembered all these things and thought deeply about them. The shepherds went back, singing praises to God for all they had heard and seen. It had been just as the angel had told them. Let's continue singing um, number 261, Good Christian Friends Rejoice. And uh, if you turn to 249, Angels We Have Heard on High, uh, if you'd like to stand for this, this might be a great song to stand if you'd care to. And the mountains in reply, echoing. 
Shepherds, why this jubilee? Why these songs of happy cheer? What great life this did you see? What glad tidings did you hear? Gloria in excelsis Deo. God came close in the person of Jesus to restore creation. In the face of Christ, we see the radiance of the glory of God, reconciliation, restoration, salvation. We take a look at this quilt, a simple quilt, ragged on the edges, and yet it's turned into this beautiful work of art due to the restoration of these spiritual patches. Thank you to all those who contributed, Rachel and Rachel, for putting this together. We still, however, in the midst of this restoration, live in the in-between. Christ has brought res restoration, and yet the world still cries out to be restored. These two truths don't necessarily cancel each other out, but they coexist. Things aren't perfect in our world yet. We are not perfect. Thus, we take a moment to confess. Would you turn to 908 in the back of the hymnal? 908. And as we pray, I'll leave time for silence first as we reflect on our own shortcomings, our own imperfections, and then we'll read 908 together.
Let's pray. God, in this silence, we come to you, recognizing your restoration and yet acknowledging our need to be restored. Hear us in this silence. Please join me in reading. From all that is broken, let there be beauty. From what is torn, jagged, ripped, frayed, let there be not just mendings, but meetings unimagined. May the God in whom nothing is wasted gather up every scrap, every shred and shard, and make them new paths, doorways, worlds. Our words of affirmation come from Isaiah. I will recount the gracious deeds of the Lord, the praiseworthy acts of the Lord, because of all the Lord has done for us and the great favor to the house of Israel that he has shown them according to his mercy, according to the abundance of his steadfast love. For he said, surely they are my people, children who will not act deceitfully, and he will become their savior in all their distress. It was no messenger or angel, but his presence that saved them. In his love and pity, it was he who redeemed them. He lifted them up and carried them all the days of old. Our next songs are 268 and 267, Helpless and Hungry and What Child Is This? Um, this is a beautiful, beautiful um, uh, connecting of two songs. Um, a little bit complicated, but I think the beauty of it is worth the effort that it takes. What we'll plan on doing is exactly what is written at the bottom of page 268. There's some directions there. Um, helpless and hungry, verse one, followed by what child is this, verse one. Helpless and hungry, verse two, followed by what child is this, verse two. And then on the third verse, I'm going to ask the high voices to sing helpless and hungry and the low voices to sing what child is this. So if it's that, if it's complicated, just look at the bottom and uh, of page 268. Um, when we sing what child is this, the first two verses, you're welcome to harmonize if you like. Um, but the low voices on the third verse sing only the melody, no harmonizing on the third time through. So if you're ready for this, this is uh, this will be a lovely, a lovely hymn together.
A reading from the letter to the Hebrews, chapter 2. It was fitting that God, for whom and through whom all things exist, in bringing many children to glory, should make the pioneer of their salvation perfect through sufferings. For the one who sanctifies and those who are sanctified all have one Father. For this reason, Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters, saying, 
I will proclaim your name to my brothers and sisters in the midst of the congregation. I will praise you. And again, I will put my trust in him. And again, here am I and the children whom God has given me. Since therefore the children share flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared the same things so that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by the fear of death. For it is clear that he did not come to help angels, but the descendants of Abraham. Therefore, he had to become like his brothers and sisters in every respect so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God, to make a sacrifice of atonement for the sins of the people. Because he himself was tested by what he suffered, he is able to help those who are being tested. The word of the Lord. All right. Um, thank you, everyone, for your patience and uh, your ability to uh, thank you, Lori, for your ability to think on your feet. Um, so, yeah, good evening and happy new year. As of late, people like to use the Okay. What's one more technical difficulty? Okay. As of late, people like to use the turning of a new year to declare a death to the previous year and all of its turmoil and pain. More traditionally, this time of year, this is the time of year that people uh, make resolutions and declare that all the ills of yesteryear are behind them and resolve to ensure that the new year will bring joy, health, prosperity, and peace. I've always been unconvinced to take up this mode of thinking. Um, sure, I must admit that if I attend a New Year's Eve party, I will typically find myself a couple of spotted cows deep, uh, yelling some sort of profanity at the prior year along with everyone else. I am reluctant, though, to believe that these declarations of partygoers in various states of inebriation bear any resemblance to reality. How can the arbitrary date the world chooses to change calendars from one arbitrary year to another arbitrary year have any material effect on our physical lives? After all, viruses do not seem to care much about whether the calendar says 2022 or 2023. The agents of war may hit some mental wall or breakthrough when calendars change dates, but the underlying motivations for said wars remain unchanged. 
More locally, the turning of a calendar has little bearing on how well or how poorly we relate to our coworkers, friends, or family. The only things that materially change are whatever legal or man-made changes that we have arbitrarily assigned to our arbitrary dates and years on calendars. And so I generally maintain a somewhat cynical attitude, <clears throat> cynical attitude toward the New Year's holiday. Furthermore, I wasn't initially convinced to use today's theme from the worship leader resources, which was Quote, we live in the in-between. Christ has brought restoration and the world still cries out to be restored. These two truths do not cancel each other out, but coexist, end quote. At first reading, this passage seems to say, we should claim that these two contradictory things are true and just not worry about the fact that they are contradictory. However, this interpretation gives way to a different one upon further examination of today's scripture. The passage from Isaiah is short, so I will go ahead and reread it for all of you. I will recount the gracious deeds of the Lord, the praiseworthy acts of the Lord, because of all that the Lord has done for us, and the great favor to the house of Israel that he has shown them according to his mercy, according the abundance of his steadfast love. For he said, surely they are my people, children who will not deal falsely. And he became their savior in all their distress. It was no messenger or angel, but his presence that saved them. In his love and in his pity, he redeemed them. He lifted them up and carried them all the days of old. This passage refers specifically to when God brought the Israelites out of Egypt. He took them out of slavery and, well, not restoring them to exactly their state prior to their time in Egypt, he restored them as a nation in the land of their ancestors. Then the Israelites sinned, fell out of God's favor, and were conquered and exiled. But once again, God restored them back to their homeland as a distinct people with a distinct practice of faith. Um, this account is highly simplified for the sake of uh, time and attention. Turning to the passage in Hebrews, we reflect on the importance of how Christ became human like us, specifically in the first verse of the passage. It was fitting that God, for whom and through whom all things exist in bringing, bringing many children to glory, should make the pioneer of their salvation perfect through sufferings. I love this reference to Jesus as the pioneer of salvation, made perfect through suffering. This passage seems to say that God didn't see fit to simply magic away our sin and struggle. Instead, he came to go ahead of us all as a guide, showing us a better way of life, casting out demons through his love, power, and example. And then Jesus died for our salvation and rose again in an incredible demonstration of restoration. And now we as individuals and the church as a whole continue to experience cycles of hardship, brokenness, failing, or a combination of two or all three of these, and then come back to Jesus for restoration. Restoration in the Bible tends not to be a one and done endeavor. 
And while Jesus' death on the cross dramatically changed the way we relate to God and seek restoration, it didn't take away the reasons we seek restoration or eliminate them. Maybe the reason why we see both restoration and cries for restoration isn't in the world around us, isn't because we exist in some sort of wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey, metaphysical limbo. Rather, Jesus showed us how to seek restoration in our own trials and help those around us in restoration. We exist, all of us, in various station of, various, various states of brokenness and restoration. And that's why we see both of them together. The early church showed us that we go through cycles of being persecuted and being free to live fully that empires rise and fall and that God can work through us not to turn back the clock and restore to something that existed in the past, but to something new, something familiar enough to demonstrate God's restoration. And wherever we are in our lives, in peace or conflict, in struggle or prosperity, we can take joy in God's restoring power and practice peace and justice by working to restore each other and the world around us. And Psalm 35 verse five reminds us that though we may find ourselves in a sorrowful night, we can be hopeful that God's joy will come in the morning. Which brings me to a bit of a tangent here. It's okay to be sorrowful in the sorrowful night. It's okay to cry out when we need restoration. A part of restoration is to experience and appreciate the brokenness that comes before us, before it. In fact, I find it difficult to really appreciate healing without first truly understanding the pain that came before it, such as the death of a loved one or a fractured relationship. Restoration does not exist without a broken prior state. And it is that brokenness that allows restoration to take hold. To visualize this restoration, I looked in the mirror and reflected on two small splotchy scars uh, that I have on my forehead. Um, I got them from a car accident shortly before I turned nine. Um, uh, one above each eyebrow. The one above my right eyebrow here is still visible. Um, if I don't know, maybe you've noticed it, probably not. My hair tends to come kind of down over my forehead, but uh, it is very much there and very much visible. Uh, but I can mostly only feel the scar on my left eyebrow. However, when I looked in the mirror, I noticed a thin straight scar in the same spot as the small splotchy one over my left eyebrow. Part of growing up on a farm is being as active as I was growing up uh, <laughs> meant that uh, I noticed, it means that I notice scars from time to time and don't remember where they came from. Um, this is no exception. <laughs> I experienced a small injury to my skin in the accident, and then it scarred over and healed leaving a permanent mark. Um, one that isn't necessarily seen anymore, but can definitely be felt if I run my finger over it. And then the same skin got injured again. 
and then it scarred over again and left a permanent mark. I felt pain and my skin lost some of its function each time. And each time my skin regained its function, though it was permanently changed. Perhaps the reason we celebrate New Year's isn't because we think there is some special significance that makes December 31st and January 1st more different than from each other than say, July 14th and 15th. Rather, it's a reminder. There was a January before in 2022. There is a January now in 2023. And there will be a January in 2024. There is pain and brokenness in the past. There is pain and brokenness now. And there will probably be pain and brokenness in the future. But God has shown us how pain and brokenness have been restored in the past how pain and brokenness are restored today, and how through Christ's example, we can bring about restoration in the days to come. Our responding song then is um, Love Has Come, number 258. Love, love. For our prayer, would you turn to 988 in the back of the hymnal? Nine eighty-eight. Let's pray. God of deep and dazzling darkness, here on the edge of night, before we surrender our day to silence and mystery, we need to hear that you love us 
Hear our prayer. For all who weep tonight and those who wait beside the dying. Hear our prayer. For frightened children, for anxious parents, and families in distress. Hear our prayer for nations at war, for hungry refugees, and those unjustly oppressed. God, we praise you that you are here with us, that you are incarnate, that you are in the here and now. Help us to remember to count our blessings of each daily moment. Thank you for the unique ways that you restore each of us. We thank you for hearing our prayers. God of deep and dazzling darkness, our world is in your hands, and so are we. We rest in you, in Jesus' name, amen. Our sending song is Go Now in Peace. Um, if you stand to sing this song, we'll sing it a couple of times through. If you know it well, um, you can just leave the hymnal down and, and do some hand motions that remind us that God is with us on the way and God's love is with us. blessing is that we may go in peace.